Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. So let me ask you a question this morning. How many have a pet peeve of some kind? Let me see your hands. Most of us have a pet peeve. It drives you crazy. Like, for example, how many of you have a pet peeve when somebody shows up late to a meeting? It just kind of... Look at all that, you late people. Look at all that. Don't show up late if you're going to hang out with them. How many have a pet peeve when you're driving the freeway and somebody just tailgates you, right? You guys are... Oh. How many of you guys thought about, like, slamming the brakes? That's not wise. Don't. Or you hate it when somebody changes lanes without the signal. Anybody doing that? One of my pet peeves is when a waiter takes my order at a restaurant and doesn't write it down. It's all in his mind. I'm like, okay, smart guy. That's fine if you bring in all the food, but if he messes up the order, it's a pet peeve of mine. Like, we can fix this. Here's a pen and some paper. Write things down. I might get a little bit bitter about that. One of my wife's pet peeves is this. When we sit down to watch a movie, I'll always ask her questions about the movie. And she'll always say this. We're watching the same movie. And, and, and I'm like, my ADD kicked in. Squirrel, I, I, kind of, I kind of forgot what was coming out. But what really gets aggravated is when there's a crying scene in a tearjerker and I look at her to see if she's crying. She gets so mad. But what really sets her off is when there's a kissing scene and I try to kiss her. She's like, no! Like, I want to live a movie, not watch a movie, right? So, as you know, I'm no longer allowed to watch movies for their true story. She watches movies upstairs, I watch movies downstairs. You know, but for some people, especially those outside the Christian faith, their their pet peeve is Christians who claim one thing and and then live another way. I think sometimes people outside the church look and say, I I just want to see some Christians who really believe what they sing and really believe what they preach. And I can see why it bothers them. And and I have people tell me all the time, man, Benito, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. People tell you that too. This is what I always say. There's a difference between hypocrites and, and humanity, hypocrisy and humanity. Hypocrisy is meaning you're trying to act a certain way that you're not. Humanity is that, hey, we mess up. None of us are perfect. And I always tell people like that, you know, man, a Christian is just one beggar telling another beggar where I found food. You're right. We all messed up. None of us are perfect. There's room for you. But, but what people really want is, is they want some people that really, really down in their hearts really want to live out what the Bible says. They want something that's real and authentic. And when that happens, it's a glorious moment. Heaven meets earth, and God's church is mobilized in an amazing way when not man, imperfect people come together serving a perfect God, and the power of the presence of God begins to flow through these people, and cities are changed, and families are changed, and that's what I want to be a part of. You want to be a part of that too? Well, this morning, we're going to look at a church where that happened. And we're going to learn some characteristics of what I call a life-giving church because I want to be part of a life-giving church. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, this morning, 
Lord, we want to be part of a life-giving church, not a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. But Lord, help us to be life-givers and help may this be a life-giving church to our community in the name of Jesus. And for that, we're going to look at the first century church of Antioch. Let me tell you a little bit about Antioch. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Revival was taking place in this church in an amazing way. It was at Antioch, in fact, that they were first called Christians. That's where they got the Christian label there. And God used the church of Antioch to take the message of Jesus worldwide. If you want to study beyond this, you can read Acts chapter 11 through 13. It tells the story of Antioch together. But I'm going to take verses 1 through 6, and we're going to learn about this church, starting in verse 1 this morning. Now, there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menin, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, that's powerful, man. How many guys, fast was awesome, but you're like, I want some meat and some cheese. Thank the Lord. Today, it could happen. The Holy Spirit said, sit apart from me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting, they prayed and laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. So being sent out by who? Who sent them out? The Holy Spirit leading them. They went to Seleucia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. There's so many things to extract from this church. But the first thing I want you to notice this is a life-giving church is diverse. Man, you see that there's prophets and teachers. There's Barnabas. There's Simeon who was called Niger. Many commentators that I read, we don't really know exactly, but they believe this is the Simeon who carried the cross for Jesus there when he was crucified. There was Lucius of Cyrene. There was Manon who was a lifelong friend of Herod. And then there was Saul. Antioch, I want you to notice, there was both Jews, Barnabas and Saul, and non-Jews from different parts of the world. Simeon from Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menin. It was a diverse church. Let me tell you about that first century church. It looked like Walmart. God was moving in an amazing way. And one of the things that I love about the church is when the Spirit of God is working in the church, it's diverse. Rodney Stark, the early church scholar, said this. What made the early church so unique in the Roman world was there were people that got along that didn't get along anywhere else. And what a divided world needs more than anything else is they need a united church. The last few years, we have seen so much division in our culture. People are angry and arguing about everything. People in the right don't trust the left. People on the left don't trust the right. People can't get along anywhere. Is it just me or has the world gone crazy and they're just fighting over everything? But here in Antioch, All kinds of different people. And I want you to notice they have different upbringings, different ways of viewing the world. They were worshiping together. And Antioch was the first church, if you read the book of Acts, where both Jews and Gentiles worshiped together. Gentiles are you and I. Everybody that's a non-Jew is a Gentile. But Jews and Gentiles didn't worship together. And this is why they wouldn't worship together. Jews up to this time thought that they were better. They had these customs and religions, and they believed that the promise of the Messiah was exclusively for them. But God, through His Holy Spirit, all the way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He's trying to get them to take the world to the nations. Actually, Matthew 28 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the nations. So it's taking them a while. It's not here till actually uh, till the, latter, the middle of the book of Acts that they start doing that. And, and we see this. Here is the problem. Why could that not take place? Why was there a challenge of unity in the early church? The J- early Jewish people couldn't see beyond their identity 
in their Jewishness. They couldn't see beyond their laws and their customs. It's like we learned a couple weeks ago. It wasn't until Peter had that vision that took him to the house of Cornelius. And let me tell you this. Nothing stops. Nothing hinders. Nothing's going to block the work of God worse than the people that don't have a proper identity of who they are. This is what's happening. See, the early Jewish Christians were not even called Christians yet. They were a sect of Judaism called away, allowed their secondary identity to become their primary identity. They saw themselves as Jews first and followers of Jesus second. They couldn't see beyond their Jewish customs, their Jewish laws, their Jewish festivals that prevented them from proclaiming the word of God where Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. They saw their identity as Jews more than the words of Jesus. And what that happened, it stopped them from fulfilling the plan of God. And here's what I would submit to you this morning. There are many believers and many people that do not have a proper identity. They've allowed their secondary identity become their primary identity. And because of that the church has not been advancing let me break that down to you it wasn't until the church of in Antioch that they're no longer identified as Jews but they were called Christians for the first time they had a change of identity that changed the world see one of the problems the church is facing today is people identify with their secondary identity more than their primary identity let me say this I'm not a Latino American who happens to be a Christian I'm a Christian who happens to be a Latino American. And my identity in Christ is stronger than anything else that tries to identify me. Don't get me wrong, I'm proud of my ethnic heritage. I mean, I've studied my family 400 years. They've settled there in northern New Mexico. Man, I put an accent mark on my name. It's Fresques. I always introduce myself as Benito. I love tamales and tacos and tortas. I'm proud of that. See, I'm thankful to be an American. And the blessings that come with it. My grandpa fought in World War II. My other grandpa fought in the Korean War. My uncles fought in Vietnam. I'm thankful for all those things. My dad was a veteran. But I am in awe. I am flabbergasted. I can't get enough that the God of all the universe died for me. That his spirit lives inside of me. And that is the thing that shapes everything about me. Nothing shapes my life more than the fact that the gospel has changed everything about me. Nothing. And the division and chaos in our nation we've all faced over the last couple years, let me tell you what it boils down to, an identity problem. People view themselves by their sexual preferences. They view themselves as Republican, as Democrat, as white, as black, as brown. No, I'm right, I'm left. No, I'm vaccinated, I'm unvaccinated. No, I wear a mask. No, I don't wear a mask. No, I'm big government. No, I'm personal freedom. And that has stopped the church from advancing. And that has caused division. I have heard so many horror stories from my pastor friends around the nations of people who are faithful and committed to the mission of God who literally stopped coming to church for something so dumb like wearing a mask or vaccinated or unvaccinated or left a church for secondary things. But I'm so glad to be a part of a church that seems themselves as Christians first. That's why it looks like 31 flavors up in here. That's why there's so much diversity. That's why our church is advancing in the midst of a pandemic. Because see, let me tell you, even though tough conversations on secondary issues should happen, they shouldn't divide us. This should be the place where those tough conversations take place. Because the main thing is Jesus. Even the early church faced controversial, cultural, hot discussions. 
and they worked through them. They had disagreements. They didn't always see eye to eye. Look at Acts 15. The council of Jerusalem met together because of this issue of circumcision. If you don't know what circumcision is, you can ask Pastor Michael. He will tell you right after service. But they, but they were arguing. They were fighting over this. They had all this discussion, some of these leaders. But guess what happened? Their identity as Christians first helped them navigate the waters. And the church came out stronger because the main thing was the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. And the main thing is he died for us. And the main thing that he lives inside of us. And that should be the thing that identifies us as the church more than anything else in this world. Now that's some good preaching. I'm just saying. And as long as Jesus is the main thing, the church will move forward. It'll be diverse. It'll be life-giving. It'll be powerful. And the lesson we learned from the church of Antioch is this. A life-giving church is focused on Jesus and his mission. It's focused there. As they were, underline that word, they were worshiping the Lord. The Greek word for worship there is leitrejo. It's where we get the word liturgy. It means where we, it's where we get the word incense and worship. And other translations, English translations use the word ministering. They were ministering to the Lord. That's so important. Because I want you to notice what the focus of everything was. It wasn't themselves. It wasn't their problems. They weren't coming to church to get ministered to. They were going to church to minister to God. Ouch. Sometimes I got to get my blessing. I got to get my breakthrough. God needs to speak to me. Let me tell you what a life-giving church is. A life-giving church understands that it's all about Jesus. And when I worship Jesus, what two ways, when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. And I'm coming to church not to get a breakthrough. I'm coming to church not to get a blessing. I'm coming to church to give God the glory and the honor that he alone deserves because Jesus is the main thing. They minister to them. You, you've ever heard somebody tell you that minister to me? That means you met my need. But imagine the God of all the universe would say, you know what? Your worship, your service, the way you watch and teach kids, the way you greet people, that ministers to me. I pray this changes the way we view church. Man, let me tell you this. If you have an idea to come to church to be ministered to, you're missing the point. That's why so many people flip churches every 18 months we come with the idea that I'm here to minister to God. Wow. Changes the focus and the mission of everything. The focus was on Jesus. And one of the most alarming statistics I've ever read was recorded by George Barnard. It says that in 85% of American believers believe the church exists to meet their needs. Which is an unbiblical view. One of the shocking phrases when I first moved to Texas because in New Mexico there was only one Christian church. People told me this, oh, we're shopping for a church. I'm like, like, what does that mean, shopping for a church? Like, this consumer mindset has come to the church? See, the church doesn't exist for us. We're the church, and we exist for God's glory, and we exist for his mission. And I'm so thankful to be part of a church that's set on fulfilling God's mission and worshiping and not satisfying our own selfish desires. See, a consumer mentality says the church exists to serve me. I worship the trinity of me, myself, and I. I want, I want life groups for me. I want service for me. I want all these things to meet my needs. The Christian mentality says I exist to serve God and the church and others. 
And I'm not looking for a church that can meet my needs. I'm looking for a church that's on mission. And when I find a church that's on mission, then I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to see those needs. But God has put me there so that we can paint a beautiful picture of Jesus in that community. And I sacrifice my preferences for that mission. That means sometimes, ah, once in a while, the worship might not be my flavor, but I want to reach people for Jesus. Oh, man, I might not like that, but I'm here for the mission of Jesus. Man, they, they always play a game at Freedom Church. I don't understand that because, you know, they're trying to reach the next generation and keep them engaged because they want them to come to Jesus because the Word of God's always going to be preached. Sacrificing of preferences. And I notice in verse 1, everybody was using their gift to fulfill the mission there. There, there was a diversity of gifts. There was prophets, the Scripture says, and there were teachers. There wasn't a single sage on a stage. And this is the vision that God gave me of Freedom Church. Years ago, I would close my eyes in prayer, and I would see the church where the walls would literally just fall open, and the people would be mobilized. People weren't going to just be gathered. They were being sent, and they were making a difference Monday through Saturday. And on Sunday, they were just celebrating what God was doing. Because everybody has a God-given ministry. And notice they were not just unified in multi-ethnicity, but they were unified in their gifts. There was unity without uniformity. Though nobody was the same, they had a sense of unity. Different gifts and operations all over this place. And here's the challenge. For many people, we falsely think people on the stage are specially gifted. You see Norca, one name, one name. I love that. Like, I wish I could sing like that. You see Pastor Michael do those illustrations up there. And it's just like, man, we think people are especially gifted to do that. No. We all have a different area of our lives. Some God has called us to move in the area of politics or education or in the business world or in engineering or music or in art. Some people, he's gifted us to, to hip hospitality or teach all these different giftings. And here's what I want you to know about our giftings. The church is like a mosaic piece of art. Each tile can be kind of beautiful to look at alone, but when you put a mosaic piece of art, it paints a beautiful picture together. And together, we paint a beautiful picture of who Jesus is to our world. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that reflects Jesus in our city. You're the first call the city makes when there's a need. In the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of all this challenge, they keep calling us. And because of your service to the city of Round Rock, they created a nonprofit 501c3 called Friends of Round Rock Neighborhood Services this past December. And this organization was created to accept donations that would come in to help people. They don't just be lost in the city of budget. So they wanted to create this organization, and they asked me to be the president of this organization because of your service. So now these, all these needs are coming in because of your service over the years, and now there's resources that are coming in. And what we're doing is we're showing the city that the church is a blessing, and we're salt, and we're light. I'm so thankful for that. And it's not just service projects. You've always shown up to love the kids of Williamson County Juvenile Detention Center. You were there for Christmas. You've been there to provide all kinds of needs. You gave them gifts. They, man, they're so excited. They were hoping before the whole COVID spike hit again. They, Pastor, in March, we want to have a basketball tournament. You guys bring pizzas. You guys bring men out there, and we'll beat you guys up. And I said, okay, we'll do that. But just building relationships with these kids. And over the years, we've built those relationships, and we've mentored, and we've connected with the kids. And Judge Larson, who goes to all the events, saw what you were doing. And Judge Larson called me right before the pandemic, said, and said, Benito, I'm concerned about reaching these kids before they even, even get to the situation. I want to start a ministry called Three Strands Ministry in Williamson County. Would you help me? This ministry will be helping reunite families and parents with kids and you provide mentorship and space for them to learn 
And Freedom Church was the first church in the county to host three strands. Now there are three different three strands that happen over Williamson County because you blazed the trail. And on March 6th, we are hosting another class for families to be reunited together. That's gospel work there. And I want you to hear how this is impacting the lives of people in our church. I want to invite Margie and the Slacks and Pastor O.C. and just want to hear this story, powerful story of what's taking place. They are our three strands teachers. We have Ashley. Yeah, give it up for them. And huge celebration. This is Ashley, a very recent three strands graduate. So we'll get into that a little bit more, but real quick, Terry and Margie, would you mind explaining to us what is three strands ministry? Okay, so... Um, pardon me, I need to read it here. <laughs> okay, so three strands comes from a Bible verse describing the importance of relationship and overcoming adversity. The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12 Three Strands Parenting Program is a nine- week faith-based program recognized through Williamson County. Isn't that awesome? Faith-based, that's cool. So, the parents that have lost their children, parents that are at risk at losing their children, they are giving an opportunity through these churches that are donating their time and these volunteers and mentors they're, they're donating that time so that these families can be built and united together again. Hey guys. So, you know, Three Strands is, is really an awesome ministry. Uh, it's, you know, a spiritual tone. Uh, what it is, is opportunity for the parents to uh, come to a place of understanding of where they're at. Because, you know, you can't get where you want to be unless you know where you're at. And, and there's got to be a pathway. There's got to be direction. Intention isn't good enough if you're going to get to the right destination. So we open that up for them. And we go through a couple, two or three, I think it is, uh, sessions. We talk about who they are, where they are, what's going on in their life, maybe what caused some of the issues that caused them to lose their children in the first place. Then we talk about their children. What does that look like, you know? How do I respond to my children in the difficult times? How do I conversate with them, even in the good times? You know, what does it look like to discipline them? And, and then also on a family level, giving them um, a picture of what a godly, successful family looks like. You know, sometimes that's what we need. I know I'm a very visual kind of person. Most guys are. And so it's like, man, if I can see it, I can do it. Man, I YouTube everything. If I don't do it, I YouTube. If I can see it, I can do it. And the thing, if you just give them that vision, that understanding, hey, this is number one, is this what it looks like? And number two, you can do it. And, and it, it just it brings them to a point, really, of, of, of understanding 
that if they don't already have a relationship with God, they need a relationship with God so that they can have a better relationship with their children. And really, that's what it's all about. So good. Ashley, so we hear how people get plugged into Three Strands Ministries, but what about you? How did you hear about Three Strands? glad you did that. Um, so just so the people in the church can understand, your teachers, we have mentors, we have volunteers, you're giving several hours a week to participate and help in Three Streets Ministries. What was it for you that said, hey, I, I want to give that time up to be a part of Three Strands? So when Pastor Benito asked us to do this, um, I didn't really have to think twice about it because having the opportunity to be able to help somebody else to attain um, tools that they're able to use for um, bringing their family back together, to, to bring wholeness to their life, to bring Jesus to them. I mean, they're stuck with us for nine, nine weeks, right? So they get the gospel. Um, ordered <laughs> and um, we want to make the best of it because we, we we love Jesus and we want to give them everything that they can use so that they can have a good life you know we've been redeemed to redeem that's that's our sole purpose otherwise we just might as well go to heaven we might as well go be with Jesus you're on this earth because you've been redeemed to go and redeem. And, and you know, it, it's, dude, this is like cutting edge gospel. Like Margie said, they're like forced to sit here for nine weeks, dude. I get, they're unchurched, okay, nine times out of 10, they're unchurched, they're, uh, they're not followers of Jesus. At best, their faith is undefined, right? So here we are on the cutting edge of presenting the gospel to people who are not believers. I don't know about you, but that gets me stoked, man. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, that's a powerful thing. And then, and then to see uh, what happens. You know, I, you know, it can be disappointing. You, you want everybody. You want all, like, roughly there's 10 students there this time. And so you like all of them to, number one, go through the whole class. Not all of them do. But number two, you like them to come to a place in the relationship with Jesus, that they begin to follow Jesus, and number three, that they do things that they can restore the relationship with their children. And so, uh, man, we, we have that up here in front of you. So, you know, we like 10 out of 10. I'm saying we got one out of nine, but I'm good for that, man. I really am. I, anytime you just see the gospel go forward and it penetrates a heart, it's awesome. And, and one of those hearts is right here yeah. with Ashley. You know, I want to... Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, the first week she comes, she'll stand office, right? We all would be, you know, we don't know what to expect. We don't know what, where this is going to take us. But here she is, and, and, and we just noticed that I really noticed from the beginning. I, and Barge probably knows for me because she's way more sensitive than me. So, you know, uh, it, it's, like, it's like she had this heart for uh, learning, this humility that 
is like a sponge, right? It just soaks up things. And so we, we saw this progression of one, two, three, four, nine weeks of, of someone who began to really listen and learn. And for the most part, most of those, those students, those, that's court ordered that they're there, they're there because they gotta be. Ashley, you could see it almost from the very beginning that she was there because she wanted to be. And that's the attitude that God wants and sees and he blesses that. He, 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 he makes, you know, it's a Psalm 1 thing going on that everything they touch that prospers in their life, that they're like a tree, you know, planted by the rivers. And Ashley was, was just that. And, and man, we're so proud of her. We really are. It, it, it really, it, there's such joy in, in doing this. Like Benito was saying, you know, uh, to an extent. So we are, we serve a generous God. His greatest attribute is he is gener- his generosity and he he gives and he pre- he expects us as his children to give what we've been given and, and that's what three strands is about so good as you can see there's a lot of passion here so if you have a passion to see like with your family like man i love my family i would be torn if this was split apart man come talk to us about three strands so it's, it's so incredible. Thank you so much for giving up that time. Obviously, it looks like it's not an issue for you guys. But Ashley, we heard from them, but I want to hear from you. How has Three Strands impacted your life? Oh, it's done more than change my life. It's changed my family and my relationship with my kids and with God. And <clears throat> I mean, I was, I was on the verge of losing my kids forever. And... The class taught me that. <laughs> but um, the class taught me that there's a purpose for everything that's happening in my life right now, and that even though this is the hardest way to learn a lesson, um, there's always a way to turn stuff around when you have the right people and God by your side. Um, and. I remember one day after the judge told me that she wasn't going to increase my visits with my son, I was really defeated and just so tired. And I went up to the cross on the hill and I just sat and I cried and I prayed and I talked and I told God, I'm handing it to you because just tell me what to do next. And um, it felt really peaceful up there and it just felt like it was going to be okay and now I'm going to be a mentor and (laughs) and and I'm two weeks away from my final hearing and I'm getting my babies back. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Pastor Benito, would you mind coming up here? Stay right here, Ashley. She graduated her class. She's getting her kids back. Yeah. And now, free people, free people. That's right. Let's, let's pray for that hearing in two yes. weeks. Can you just extend your hands? Lord, we pray for favor for this hearing. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing for Ashley. Lord, and Lord, just may the judge just have amazing favor with this. May it just be a slam dunk. May the anxiety and Lord God just be replaced with peace and go before her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. And thank you. Freedom Church. That's why we exist. Hey, 
We're not here just to preach sermons and sing songs. We're here to minister to our God by bringing people to Him. So March 6th, there's a lot of different ways. You can mentor. You can teach. we got to set up this place every week. We, you can set up. You can bring food. You can use your gifts in a variety of ways. Man, by the, end of the, by the end of the day, they'll have something. Just scan the code and sign up for three strands. Let's make this our best three strands ever. You guys believing in that? Amen. Because here's the next thing I want you to learn about a life-giving church. A life-giving church is full of transformation stories. The names that are listed in this passage tell a story of God's grace and mercy. I want you to draw attention to two of those names. Menin, who was brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Translators don't know how to translate this. He was brought up. It literally means he was breastfed with King Herod. It's kind of awkward, right? But they were more like kind of like stepbrothers. Menin and Herod were close. If you know Herod, Herod was an evil ruler in the times of Jesus. He ordered for John the Baptist to be beheaded. Menin was brought up in a culture of immorality and idolatry and lust and greed. Most scholars believe that he was an important officer in Herod's uh, kingdom there, but he left it all to follow Jesus. And then Saul, we know Saul, he was a murderer, tried to exterminate Christianity. His life was transformed and he becomes the most influential Christian to ever live. And here's what I'm absolutely convinced of. This is what I give my life for. God still transforms life. God is still about the life-changing business. Our God is a God who takes the broken and makes it beautiful. I I think of Ambi, who was a Hindu. And she only believed in science before she came to Freedom Church. Today, she comes every, in second service, she's worshiping. She's part of our cafe team. God is transforming lives. I I think of Javi, one of the rippest dude I've ever, the one who rips... But man, in his own words, he was a mess. He was worldly. He was self-centered. He was career-driven. He was impatient with people. Hard to know if you know him. But today he, make this, he begins to make every decision centered on Christ. He is empathetic. He loves people. And his passion is to take the gospel around the world. I think of my friend Dave Curvin, who after 30 years of being a paramedic and all the stuff that that messed with, he was tired. He was burnt out. In his own words, he became selfish, misprioritized things, and put God in the back burner. Then his wife, Leslie, would continue to invite him to come to church, and things began to change. He retired. He found a more fulfilling job. His home life improved. Most importantly, his relationship with God improved. And instead of coming to church occasionally and putting God in the back burner, he is on the front row every Sunday, greeting, worshiping, serving Jesus. Let me tell you, we serve a God who still changes lives. Man, and here's the thing that we gotta, we, we got to pull out the most powerful weapon we have. See, your testimony is powerful. Revelation 12, 11 says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. See, the most important weapon we have against the enemy's schemes is sitting in this room. See, the number one reason people don't attend church is they don't feel good enough. Satan, the accuser of the brethren, day and night is accusing people. He's telling them all the things they've done wrong. He's telling them they can never be forgiven. He's telling them they're too far gone. He's telling them how messed up they are. But when you share your story and you said, you know what, just like you were like me, you struggled with that. Your marriage was in trouble. You overcame addiction. And they look at you. If you can do it, I can do it. And it shows everybody that there's a place in the kingdom. Let me tell you, Freedom Church, Turn to your neighbor and says, when's the last time you told your story? 
When's the last time you shared your story? Your story is powerful. And this is what I want to challenge you to do in 2022. Share your story for the glory of God. Share it this week. People need to know your story. We all have a story of God's grace. A life-giving church is full of life change. And the last thing I I want us to learn from a life-giving church is this. A life-giving church is led by the Holy Spirit. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said he spoke. Some people wonder, like, how do you know when the Holy Spirit speaks? To see, I've never heard an audible voice like this. But impressions. Man, sometimes a thought that you can't feel and get away from. But here I want you to notice in this text, this is how I have heard the Spirit speak more than any other time with other believers together. That's why it's important to pray. It's important to pray with other believers. Because you're praying and you're praying and you're sensing something and they're sensing something and all of a sudden like you feel the Spirit is speaking because you're on the same page. Like one of the most beautiful things that we truly enjoyed is getting together from 6 to 7 and praying together and things that we're praying together like the Spirit was speaking. It was confirming that it's not just me. God is speaking because we're all feeling that. That's why if you don't pray with somebody together you're going to have a hard time hearing His voice. Just saying. It's important to pray with other believers. See, and I want you to see how the Holy Spirit leads. He leads in two dimensions at the same time. Closer to God, they're worshiping, they're ministering to the Lord and a witness to the world. They place their hands on them and they sent them off. So the Holy Spirit, simultaneously, he pulls us closer to God and at the same time, he pushes us to the world. And every time the Spirit of God is moving in the Old Testament or everywhere, man, Isaiah, for example, He sees God high and lifted up. Then, here am I, send me. Closer to God. Moses calls him in, go to Egypt. Here, calls him in to send them out. He's a missionary God that loves everybody. See, God doesn't want his Christians to be fat and sassy. He wants us to be in in shape and making a difference. That's why the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, 8 says, this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. It means dynamite. So that you, when the Holy Spirit, you will be witnesses. You'll share your story, your message with Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And this is what happened in the church of Antioch. Look at verse 5. They arrived to Salmis and they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. But then look at verse 6. They had gone through the whole island of Paphia. You see, now this life-giving church, they're not just in one place, but they went through the whole island because the Holy Spirit was bringing them closer to God, and at the same time, He was pushing them to a world that needs Jesus. And more than anything else, we need the Spirit's direction. How many of you guys ever know, how many of you guys come to a place in your life where you don't know what to do? Let me rephrase that. Do you ever know what to do? For me, it's like every seven... Every day I have choices. I need the Holy Spirit. And I know God gives us a guidebook and he gives us the Bible and it gives us principles and parameters and it's a funnel. But sometimes, don't you know, you need a clear word to guide you. And I'm not talking about goofy stuff like going to the store and asking, Spirit, should I buy creamy or crunchy peanut butter today? Or, or, or should I wear the red shirt or the blue shirt today? Or, or like, Lord, should I use the restroom now? People are still waiting for God to tell me to use the restroom. I'm not talking about crazy stuff like that. Some people are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs about that stuff. I'm talking about when the Spirit speaks to you about specific things that change your life and change the lives of those around you. Like I remember one day as a teenager, I felt the Holy Spirit impress on me to preach the Bible, to be a pastor. I was in high school. I worked as an intern at the Los Alamos National Laboratories. 
I worked as a program as a UGS, an undergraduate student, and I was they were looking at my grades and they were looking at my work and they said, Benito, we see you a top candidate. We know, man, what you're doing. We want to pay for your college. We want to guarantee you a job. We think you'd be a good career fit with us as an 18-year-old boy. But I knew that God wanted me to be a pastor. Nobody had ever been a man of the cloth before in my, in my family. Like, my friends didn't understand that. So my family didn't understand that. So what am I going to do? Get a guaranteed job and success or a life of uncertainty? Man, I, you know what? I, I went to Southwestern Assemblies of God University. And the best decision I ever made. And then I made another, maybe second, but then I met Jennifer and I felt the Holy Spirit say, marry her. Marry her. And the Holy Spirit led me to plant a church here in Round Rock. Literally, he led me. So the Holy Spirit told me to do things, to, to teach the Bible, marry Jennifer, plant a church. How do I know it was the Holy Spirit? Because he didn't tell me to build a mosque, learn the Koran, and uh, do stuff like it lines up with the Word of God. And every time the Spirit speaks, it's going to line up with the Word of God. Just this week, I was listening to some sports radio, some Stephen A. Smith, and all the stuff going to the NFL, and, and I felt like the Lord said, Benito, turn that off. Listen to worship music. I want you to pray. Closer to God. That's how the Spirit speaks. And then He'll also speak to you about different things, about how He wants to use you in an everyday life. I remember the first time I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about sharing... My faith, I, and I've always been kind of a bold guy and sharing my faith once I became, once the Holy Spirit, I was filled with the Holy Spirit power. He gave me this boldness. And I remember driving home one day from Los Alamos and I felt the Lord tell me, I wouldn't recommend to do this. Say, pick up a hitchhiker today. Okay. And I'm driving, looking for a hitchhiker and man, I didn't see no hitchhiker, forgot about it. And then I felt the impression of the Holy Spirit, pick up a hitchhiker. I went to one of the gas stations and there was a hitchhiker there. I picked him up, picked him up. We're driving, we're driving along told him a little bit about Jesus, no big deal. I said, okay, Lord, nothing like huge that I thought. I'm just telling him about Jesus, prayed for him. And then I got to the place where he told me he was going to drop him off. And then he looked at me and he pulled out this bag. And out of that bag was a big dagger, a big knife. And he says, I'm going to kill this guy in this room. Oh, what? He says, I'm going to kill this guy. He took my dad's land. He did us wrong. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, you brought me to helping a murderer right here. I was freaking out. I, I was ripped back then, but I was still scared. I'm like, oh. But all of a sudden, I felt boldness from the Holy Spirit. I reached over, got the door, turned around, and I just walked. And I started praying in the Spirit, and I, and, I, and I brought him back. And I said, man, you know God loves you. You know God told me before I would even pick you up that I would pick you up and he told me to pick you up and he wants me to tell you that he loves and I start just man under the power of the spirit of God just gave me some boldness that I hadn't had before I'm telling him about Jesus I'm driving him far away and by time by the time the end of the car ride guess what happens he is there giving his heart to Jesus he gave me the knife and he asked me are you an angel Man, how did you know? Are you a God? Are you an angel? He said, No, I'm not an angel, but I'm a messenger of God telling you that God loves you. Let me tell you, there is Holy Spirit power available for his church today. God wants to fill us with Holy Spirit power. The Holy Spirit little means paraclete, the one that comes alongside of you. It's kind of like this growing up. I love being around my dad. My dad's my hero. He could do everything. He's, he's amazing. He's sick. I wish he, one day I'm praying that he comes to the church, but he hasn't been, he has been on oxygen for about 10 years. He could be a plumber, he could do electricity, he would restore cars, he was a firefighter. And one of the things that we would do every summer is he would get these classic cars 
and he would just get him in an old shape and he would just restore them. And he would say, son, come with me. And he would have me just sand some irrelevant thing in the corner. He says, look what we're doing. Look how we're building this. And he would work and we take all summer long. And I remember the first car he ever restored was a 1964 Super Sport Impella convertible with a 409. And he would look at it. I wasn't just standing in the corner. And he said, look what we did. And we'd go to the auction and we'd sell it. Then one of the next thing he did, he, he restored a 55 GMC Suburban. That has a fiberglass. Uh, that's, there was 500 made. That's actually 501 because my dad custom made that one. Anyways, we went to a brand new GMC place. I remember driving up. And he said, you guys want to trade in? So he said, pick any car on the lot for that truck. I remember that was an awesome thing. Uh, another car, my favorite truck we ever had was that 58 Apache, big window uh, sidestep right there. And my dad's favorite truck was his 66 Chevy. He's really proud of this one. But anyways, he was doing all this restoration work on broken things. And he made me thought like I was doing the work. I'm just there on the side doing anything. And that's what the Holy Spirit says. Come alongside of me. I'm in the job of restoring marriages. I'm in the job of restoring families. I'm about the job of doing things that are beautiful and amazing. And guess what? I'm going to do the work. But I want you to come alongside of me and watch my power lead you. So I pray for this service. This is what I pray. I feel the Lord wants to fill us with Holy Spirit power. I want everybody to stand here feet. Oh, I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place. So this is what I want us to do. If you're here this morning, I know the altars are small or the front. But if you say, Pastor B, I want to be Spirit-led this year. I want you to come to the front. I want you to come to the front. Just make your way to the front. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just pray the Holy Spirit would lead us. Not just corporately but individually he would lead us closer to Jesus and he would push us to the world every day everywhere just make it just, just go and scram to the front if you can go to the sides I know there's if we can pull to the sides right here I, I, I just feel I just felt led as I was praying over this service I just want to just pray over this just raise your hands towards heaven and say this Holy Spirit I need you guide my life lead my life and this is what he'll do he'll speak to you for some of you he might give you a prayer language right now others he might just give you a word of wisdom a word of knowledge but he wants to feel you and this is what I'm going to pray I'm going to pray in the count of three that the Holy Spirit's going to feel you we're going to sing this song but I'm going to pray for a fresh wind of the Spirit and that's what I'm going to ask the Lord is to lead us every day Father in the name of Jesus God I pray that you would fill your people that the gifts of the Spirit would be in operation that people will receive prayer languages today word of wisdoms word of knowledges whatever it may be but spirit of the living lord flow through your people right now i want you to pray about this one two three feel him lord right now right now just open your mouth open your voice say spirit feel me and as we sing this song let's close and ask the holy spirit to lead us thanks again for listening to the freedom church podcast we hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith don't forget to subscribe and share with others.